You are listening to the Elevation Indie Podcast. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you can know exactly when the podcast becomes available. We hope you enjoy this week's message, and we hope that it brings blessings into your life. We're in a new series called Every Day. Say it with me. One, two, three. Well, that sounded exciting. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Here we go. Maybe I can preach now. Every day. Here's, here's my prophetic word for you today. Everyone in the house, that this year in 2024, you might want to write this down. This year in 2024, you will experience every day that you experience. There you go. I'm sure it's going to happen. I would also let you know that there's going to be some high points and some low points. Right? That's, that's the truth of it, right? The, the, the good news is you're going to have some good times. The positive news that I'm positive of is you're going to have some bad times too. And so we're going to talk today uh, and during this, during this time over these next few weeks about the everyday experience that you and I will have. And I, I, I look at it this way, is what would happen if we treated every day like the first day? Because, you know, the first day of the year, you, you kind of enjoy that. Anybody have that day off work? Three people. Anybody have that day off work? A few more people. Anybody have that day off work? Okay. Well, you talk to me better, I'll get it, and then I'll move on. Every day, right, if we treated every day like the first day, we'd have anticipation and expectation about what's coming. We'd have hopes and dreams and plans. We, we, we'd have a lens to look through and say, this is fresh and new. Did you know that every day is a new day? The Word says this, that every day He's got mercy for you. Aren't you, great for, aren't you glad, grateful for that? Right? And, and so this, this cliche that, that when, you're, when you're on a job, if you treat every day on the job like your first day, on the job will make a difference in the way that you approach that, 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 that job, wouldn't it? Because, you know, you get to, or maybe it's the first day at school, the first day of the thing, you're like, oh, this is great, you know, and you're learning all the stuff, and you're like, eyes are open, and you're listening. You haven't had time to listen to all the negative stuff that everybody's been there for, you know, 20 years thinks about it. All you know is this is a new thing. Seems good. Well, what if you treat it every day this year with the, with the, that you're looking at through the lens of this is a brand new day, that you had a fresh eyes experience every day, that there wasn't mundane days and there wasn't mediocre days and there wasn't days that was filled with lethargy and complacency, but every day was you were motivated and inspired to, to achieve something of greatness. How many know that changed your, your year? You wouldn't be the same. I mean, because if you get up some days and it's like, me, oh, my, here we go again, another day, another nickel or dollar or whatever it is with inflation, and, and you treat it every day just like it was just another day. I'm tell you, there's a difference when you wake up and you say, you know what, today is a, right, this is the Lord's day. I'm going to put my feet on the ground, and I'm going I'm to rejoice. That's what he says, rejoice, because it's his day, and we get to be in it. We don't, have, we don't have to just, just try to eke out some existence that you can wake up every day with a smile on your face and a spring in your step and hope in your heart to believe God's going to do something today with my life. I couldn't imagine looking at every day as though, well, it's just another day. Every day there's potential and possibilities and opportunities 
for incredible things to happen in our life. It'll get you out of bed when you realize that today is a significant day. Let, 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 me, just, let me just tell you, there's, there's a movie out there. I'm trying to remember the name of it now. It's about a horse. Is it Dark Horse? People look at me trying to tell me. Anyways, it's about a horse. It's about this horse in World War I. All kinds of horses were killed in World War I. You don't need, War Horse, there we go, thank you. War horse. And it's been years since I watched it. But, you know, when I'm watching something, it's like, oh, once I'd like, I, 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 I connect because I'm like, why am I spending my time watching this? Lord, is there anything here I need to see? And the old guy goes out and they got all the horses out there. And they're buying and selling horses. And his little grandson, I think it's her son, is with him. And there's one horse. And, man, it's a, it's a, it's a good-looking horse. It's way out of the range of what they should be getting. But he sees the horse. And he wants a horse. And so then he bids on it. He bids higher. And he looked at, looks to his little, little boy that's with him. He said, he said, there's, there's big days. And, 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 and the thing is, this is a big day. It's a big day because I'm going to buy that horse no matter what it looks like, no matter if what, what, what I've got or how it's working, I'm going to buy that horse today. And I took it away and thought about how that there are big days and there's small days. And those small days are only small because I make them that way. Not because God designed them that way. Not because God planned, okay, I'm going to fill your life with some big days that are significant, and then you're going to have a bunch of little mediocre small days that you'll get by and do whatever. No, if you approach it with every day's a big day, every day could be a big day because somebody needs Jesus. He's going to bring you across their path, and you may have an opportunity to share him. Every day's a big day because God's going to use you to influence the people in your sphere of influence uh, towards something that is eternal. Do you hear me? I just say this, parents, you are the example that your kids are looking at. The church programs that we, that we develop and we, we do here, praise God for them, but they're not what's going to change the life of your children and cause them to see Jesus. It's you. Every day's a big day if you're a mom or you're a dad. Anybody hear me? I'm just saying, I could, this is not my message, but I could preach right there for a long time. Every day, every day. I've lost, I've hit this thing, and lost my place in there. Here, we're going to read scripture. Here we go. Let's read Nehemiah. We're going to be in Nehemiah through this series. Probably the first couple months of this uh, year will be in Nehemiah. And that's your favorite book of the Bible, so turn there. If you have a Bible with you, if not, your mobile device, you can get it, or we'll have it on the screen for you. I'm going to read the whole entire chapter, chapter 1, because I think we just need to get it. It's only 11 verses, and so we'll move rather quickly, and so you can just follow along with us. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. It came to pass in the month of Kislev in the 20th year as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the captivity. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. I will stop there for a moment. We'll read the rest. We'll stop there just to kind of help us to understand. This is, this is about 400 and I think scholars can pinpoint to about 445, 446 B.C. I mean, that's a long time ago. 
The Israelites have been uprooted from their homeland and carried 900 miles away to another place, a foreign place that they don't know. And they've been there for a long time now. In fact, Nehemiah, he's been there long enough that he's been born there, he's been raised there, and that's been his life experience as being a slave in a land where they're being held captive. And, and, and so it is that, that not only have they been taken, but, but when uh, the Babylonians who, who uprooted them and took them away, when they carried them away, they just, they just about destroyed the place. I mean, their houses got burnt, temples left in a mess, walls are broken down, and, and the people that are, they, they've carried away, you know, if you ever read the book of Daniel, uh, and it talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they took away uh, the, 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 the premium, if you will, of, of young men and, and women and carried them away. And part of that was it was, a, it was a, a war strategy, a battle tactic that would cause a nation to be so disrupted because you split them apart. So they couldn't be there and all just continue to do life and muster up some kind of force to, to, to come back against you. No, it was they uprooted them. And, and so Nehemiah here, we, we've been introduced to him in verse 1. We've been introduced, introduced to some of the people that are going to be talking to him. In fact, it, it makes a distinction Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with men from Judah. Many scholars believe that, that he is a physical, natural brother of Nehemiah that's come to give this report. And uh, then in verse 3, you see the report. And then the next eight verses, I don't know of any other book in the Bible that opens up quite like this. Short introduction, and then boom, it goes right into prayer. It goes right into prayer. It says this in verse 4. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant with mercy, with those who uh, love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which have, we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. Verse 7, we've acted corruptly, very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servants, servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out the farthest to the farthest parts of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. 
Now, you don't get a lot of information about Nehemiah. You learn more as you journey through the, this, uh, the book of Nehemiah. But we do, we do understand this. He was a cupbearer of the king. A cupbearer is a, a significant role. It's significant in that by virtue of what he would do. The cupbearer would take the cup and drink it before it was given to the king. So if anyone was going to poison the king, the cupbearer was making sure he was putting his life out there first before the king would suffer loss. You catch it? That's a pretty big and important role. But not only that, in, in that part of the world during that time, a cupbearer many times was in, in, in the nearest proximity of the king over anyone. In fact, in, in some places, in some um, uh, kingdoms, the cupbearer was like second to the king. Many times the king would share things with the cupbearer, looking for response, maybe counsel or advice. And in, in many kingdoms, the cupbearer, the role was one of authority, not only just uh, presenting the cup, but also one that walked in uh, some kind of authority. And here's Nehemiah. We don't know his age. We don't get that. It says the 20th year. Some would say he was 20 years old, but, but I tend to think that would be difficult for him to accomplish. A Jewish, watch this, a foreigner, a slave in a kingdom to get into that audience and place and position and role with the king by 20 years old. Not saying that he didn't. Most people would say he's a eunuch simply because he would have been around the king's harem and that was a typical protocol for someone that would be in that place. I, I tend to think that maybe the 20 years is the 20-year reign, that we're 20 years into the reign of Artaxerxes the king because it doesn't mention his name, but it lets us know the 20th year. And here's Nehemiah, and the little bit we know is that he's here. We know he's born there. He's lived there, and now he's hearing a report about a land that he's never visited and a land that he's never been to. And I say that because it speaks very much about who Nehemiah is. He's not been there. He's not seen the walls. He's not walked the streets. He's not, he's not been in the temple, and yet he has such a heart for it that his first response is to be moved with emotion. He said he wept and he mourned for days. And not only that, he's moved to prayer. It's important that you get this because the prayer part is significant because it takes up the majority of this first chapter. The words of his prayer are record, recorded here for us. In fact, it is almost as though he's stepping into a, an, an intercessory role. Some would say he's a type of Christ here uh, presented to us in that he hears how bad the conditions of people are and he goes to God on their behalf. Do you know Jesus did that for you? All you got to do is read Isaiah 53. You can see how Jesus was numbered among right, the transgressors and he took our sin upon him and he took it to God for us. Aren't you glad for that? That he made intercession with his very own blood for you and I. And Nehemiah here, he, he's going to God on behalf of the people. And he, and he says this. He doesn't count himself as innocent. He, he said both me and my father's house, right, he includes himself along with the people in this lament that he has before the Lord. Now, I think it's important to understand that Nehemiah must have been well acquainted with prayer because that's the first thing he does. 
You see, if, if you're not well acquainted, it won't be the first thing you do. You'll try to fix it on your own first. You, you, you'll consult 15 people. And then finally, you can't get it, and you can't work it out, and you'll tell somebody, and they say, well, we could pray. Like, yeah. That maybe should have been the first thing we did. You hear what I'm saying? And if we're acquainted with it, if it's a part of our life and it's the regular rhythm of our life, well, we'll find ourselves being people of prayer, right? And he, he says it like this in verse 4. He, he says, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. He also says this thing about day and night being in prayer. Nehemiah had developed this rhythm of prayer. And now he's praying for these people, interceding. And I want to speak for just a few moments this, today on everyday prayer. If you write it down, write it down. If, you don't, if you're not taking notes, maybe write it down anyway so you'll remember it. Everyday prayer. Paul exhorts us in Colossians 4, verse 2. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, says don't stop praying. Don't, right? continue to pray. And when we read in God's Word, what we find out is that this Bible is saturated, saturated with prayer. It impacts the important events, and it's interwoven in God's sovereign plan and history. The 66 books of the Bible, all but five, speak to the prayer and express a prayer within it. 61 out of the 66 books makes it nearly one or 1,100 distinct references about or um, reference to or about prayer. And prayer is, is fundamental within the body of Christ, within the church. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. We know that it's one of the cornerstones of our faith, the Christian faith, prayer. How many know that say yes? Right. I don't even, you know what, I could, I could just go, I don't know if anybody's at the mall, but I could go somewhere where people are and I could just do a little, you know, on, man on the streets interview and ask people, hey, what do you think about prayer? Is it a part of Christianity? Yes, yes, yes. They don't even have to be a Christian, right? They would understand prayer. And yet, sometimes, maybe oftentimes, we struggle with making it a permanent structure in our everyday lives, prayer. This isn't a condemning word, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty or shameful. That's not my intent. It's not the work of the Holy Spirit, if that's the way you... You're, I hope that you get convicted, I hope that you feel some conviction today to, to maybe change. I may be preaching to some people. You say, hey, Pastor, I'm praying every day already. Praise God. Let's look at how that can increase and expand. Maybe speaking to some people today that, you know, you pray and then, you know, three or four days go or three or four weeks and you don't pray again. You want it. You want it to be a part of your life. Maybe I'm speaking to some people. You throw, you throw up kind of the Hail Mary prayer like, you know, I'm facing this, Lord. I need you to help me. You ever notice how spiritual we can get when we go through a struggle and a crisis? Like we're praying every day for those five days we're dealing with that thing, and then all of a sudden we drift off. And, and I, I think, you know, sometimes the reason for that is that we get bored and prayer seems irrelevant to our life at certain points. I think sometimes prayer may seem difficult or hard because we have fixed in our mind that there's a certain way, only one way to pray. And by the way, in the Word of God, there's several scriptural, biblical ways that you can pray. And I can't get to all of them this morning. I'm not even going to try. When we were up here worshiping, right, this worship and adoration of the Lord, that's a, that's a, 
That's a prayer in itself, but it definitely is a, a part, an aspect of prayer. How many know that? Biblical that, that we do that. And uh, uh, I mentioned Nehemiah interceding, intercessory prayer, standing in the gap for someone else. Right? That, that's, that's, a, that's a type of prayer. The idea of, of healing prayer, praying for healing for someone, that's a, that's a type of prayer. And, and I've got, I got seven in my notes, but I'm not even going to talk about them this morning. They're going to post these seven on social media. So if you're following Elevation India on social media, they'll be up there later today. And they got some scripture places where you can go and study yourself. I encourage you, jump in. Because, you know, um, if you had a friend, because here, here's, here's the way it works. If you're trying to do the same thing every day, exact same thing, you're saying the same words to God every day, that could be boring for you, for sure, for God too. Because you imagine if you had a friend, and you sat down, and you told him the same thing every day. You, you, were hurt, you knew the conversation. You just said it the exact same way every day. Eventually, I'd say, hey, I already heard that. You done told me that. Sometimes I'll tell Kim something, and she'll say, my wife, and she'll say, you already told me that. She'll cut me off real quick. Let me know. Like, don't go, don't go, that, don't go that, down that trail. You already told me that like 17 times. Aren't you glad for somebody to speak into your life truth? But if you always went to God with the exact same thing, I'm just telling you, if you're getting bored with it, he's beyond bored with it. You don't have to do it the same every day. That's a help for somebody right now. You don't have to follow the same rote thing every day. Let me show you. My wife and I, we have different conversations. It's not the same conversation. I mean, we've talked about certain things over and over over the years, but, but there's sometimes, how many know in a marriage, sometimes there's a to-do list? You got to talk about it. You know, like some of you husbands, you know, got that honey-do list. Maybe some of you wives have one. I don't know, but I'm just saying. And you got to talk about the to-do list. Like, like I'm, I'm thinking, like, on some days, like, if I got to, if I'm, it's, it's my day off, and I know we got to do these five things. I'm like, hey, we're going to do this first. We're going to do this second. We're going to do this and this. And, 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 and Kim's okay, and she's going to follow along with it. We're going to do those things together. Or someday, like, we sit down, and we just talk about our day. Anybody ever do that? Like, hey. Hey, by, by the way, let me give you, some, I'll give you some good marriage advice. If something exciting happens in your day, don't tell five people about it, and then you go home, and, like, it's not even exciting anymore. It's going to help some couple right now. Pick up the phone when it happens and call home and say, hey, I just want to tell you, sweetheart, I just got a big raise. Woo! I mean, you're excited right then. Or, you know, or they just gave me a promotion. Or you won't believe what happened. This is so exciting. Right? Because when you, the first person you tell, you, you got some, there's some inflection and there's some excitement in, in your voice when you tell them. So sometimes we talk about our day. Sometimes it's those emergency calls. Like if I'm with somebody in a meeting and my phone goes off, I usually put it on silence or I put it away or whatever. But then if it rings three times and it's the same person, I'm like, hey, can you, just a minute, let me, let me. Because I don't know if it's bad news. If it's some need, if it's something i got to change something to do. So there's some of those emergency conversations. We have those with the Lord sometimes, right? Sometimes it's compliments. Anybody like compliments? Sometimes it's some common interest that we're talking about that we both are excited about and talking about. Sometimes it's like sugar pie, honey bun conversation. You know what I mean? I'm just saying it's not always the same conversation. The dialogue changes in your relationships and interactions with people. Why would you ever think that you go to God with the same exact prayer every day? 
It's stale and, and empty and, and sometimes just rehearsing words before him. Or sometimes we, 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 we approach him and, and we've, already, we've already got it timed out. I'm going to spend 10 minutes in prayer. I'm going to do this. And, and I'm just saying that take a look at that today. There's some, there's some ways that you can pray that you can change up and it can be a game changer in your prayer life. But, but here's what I want you to know this morning is for 2024, our rally cry is everyday prayer. And I'm asking everyone, even this morning, maybe it's your first time. Maybe you're coming here today and you'll never come back. I'm just saying this. Make 2020, you're here on purpose. Make 2024 a day of everyday prayer. For 2024, I'm asking, start praying. And we're doing 21 days, starts today. In fact, we've already been praying today. You can count this, right? Corporate prayer is the type of prayer you can count this, right? We'll pray before we close this out. But, but I'm, I'm just saying this, that... That for 21 days, I'm saying, let's have a time of prayer and fasting. You've heard me say it. Many of you have. Maybe it's the first you're hearing it. But let's have a time of prayer and fasting. And that means this, that you're praying every day. Right? That you're committing. I'm not having you sign some card or put your name on the board so we can all check and ask you, did you pray yesterday? Somebody might ask you that. I don't know. But I'm just saying this, that you just commit to you. By the way, if you can't commit to yourself and, and honor that commitment, then your word's not good with anybody. I'm just helping you a little bit today, right? You make a commitment, I'm going to pray every day, and you start the year that way, and start, and start a day, right? 21 days. If you can do it one day, you can do it 21 days. How many know that? If you can realize, I did it today, and I'm going to do it tomorrow, and then the next day I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to do it for 21 days, I'm going to pray. And then fasting, let me, just, let me just interject this. Fasting is something you need to pray about, consider. Uh, we've got resources. If you go on the Church Center app, uh, there's resources for fasting and for prayer during this season. Fasting is when you are withholding something. And uh, just, just a word of caution or wisdom, don't be like, I'm going to just drink water for 21 days, and, like, and, and you, know, you can't walk by a snicker bar without picking it up. Right? I'm just telling you, you're going to hit the wall. It's going to be bad. Right? Measure yourself with what you can do. Now, I'm going to say this. Some of you may decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do 21 days with water or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some juice, or I'm going to do a Daniel fast and only eat like it's a vegan or a vegetarian type thing, or maybe you're going you're gonna to stop these things in your life, and you're not going to do uh, those things. I mean, definitely social media is a good thing to get rid of during 21 days. Let me know that. Let me, let, me, let me help you. Like social media can be used for some positive things, but the people that do it, they do it to get you connected at a level of addiction. The ads, all the stuff, it's all wired to keep you on there longer because the longer you stay on there, the more ads you're going to see, and then you're clicking away. And now, now you're, looking, you're looking way off like it's something you never had on your mind before you picked it up. Anybody ever pick up your phone and somehow, I don't know, Facebook or something's been left open, and somebody's liked your post, and you go look at it, and now you totally forgot why you picked your phone. You, you're, like, you're going to make an emergency call. Probably not an emergency call, but you were picking your phone up to do something. And now, now, you're, now you've shifted into something. I'm saying it, maybe you just lay that aside for 21 days. Maybe that's a part of your fast, right? Maybe, 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 it's, maybe it's cutting off news media for, that might help you, right? You're not listening to all the troubles in the world. Like, 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 like watch this. Nehemiah, he heard one report, and then he spent days in prayer over it. He didn't go back and like, let me, let me check that channel out again and see what else I can find out about it. He just kind of hung there on that report he had and prayed. 
And if you can be faithful today, you can be faithful tomorrow, and you can pray 21 days. And that, that fasting thing, don't try to do it without prayer and with the Word. Because if, if you're just cutting food back, that's called a diet. And there's benefits to fasting, don't get me wrong. You fast, you do it right, you'll drop some pounds for sure, right? But, but there's benefits physically and naturally in our body. But, but the, the spiritual aspect of fasting is that, that you know, maybe you're going to fast lunch. And so while everybody else is bringing their lunch or they're going to wherever eating, you're, like, you're not like sitting around there with slobber and drool coming out of your mouth thinking, well, I wish I could have that thing they're eating, that tacos, like they look so good. No, instead, you're getting alone with the word. And during that lunch hour or whatever you normally, you're spending time with him. Instead of clicking all through social media, you're saying, I'm laying that aside because it's going to be me and Jesus' time during that time. You catching what I'm saying? Right? It's not just fasting alone. It's prayer and fasting. 21 days. By the way, it's going to revolutionize your 2024. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, New Living Translation. says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. Luke 18 and 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Never give up. We're encouraged by the Apostle Paul. Jesus demonstrates it for us, the importance of prayer. I believe this. If prayer is every day, it will be our first response and not our last resort. If prayer is everyday prayer, it'll be always be our first response and not our last res- resort. If you make, if you accommodate a prayer time in your life every day, that prayer is going to be the first place you go to when stuff happens. And I believe this everyday prayer is a prayer lifestyle. So you may, you may, if you're taking notes, you may write this down. Everyday prayer is a prayer lifestyle, Right? John 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus said, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. A whole lot of people trying to accomplish something outside of him, and it ends up being nothing. And I would say this, there's many, many things in life that lead to certain um, problems that we have, but I would say this, that prayer is an answer to many of them. If you're experiencing burnout, depression, discouragement, if you're battling with anxiety, again, it's not the only reason that you may be dealing with this, but by and large, it's one of the biggest reasons people are struggling in life, and that is the, 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 the prayer, uh, the lack of prayer in their life, the lack of an everyday journey with God in their life. I want to tell you, it's a game changer. When you plot and plan out, I'm going to pray every day. When are we going to pray? Every day, right? So number one, prayer is a priority. It's got to be a priority. If it's going to be a lifestyle, it's got to be a priority. It needs to be an important, and the only way it's going to be important is if you make it important. For Nehemiah, it was important. It's evident because of what he does, right, before he does anything. And there's other stuff that's going to come, other things he's going to do, but before he does anything, he has this day-by-day prayer rhythm. He's well acquainted with prayer because he prays. He's much like Daniel, Daniel 6.10. says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went 
uh, to his home, and he went upstairs to his upstairs room where the windows, where he opened up the windows toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Daniel had a rhythm of everyday prayer. Right? When, I, when I read about those that accomplished much in the Word of God, it's always been those that had a, a, a rhythm of prayer in their life. And so prayer's got to be a priority. And I want to tell you, there's things in your life that have a priority. Like, I'm going to tell you, you didn't, you're not missing many meals. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, we're going to do this fast, but, but in general, like, we, we eat. Anybody eat when you're hungry? Anybody have a regular routine of when you eat? Right? We, 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 we design things. You even know, many of you even know the day you're going to go shopping so you can get the stuff to eat. You paid money to have a refrigerator to put the stuff in it that you're going to eat. You might even have a pantry where you got the stuff that you're going to eat because it's a priority for you to eat. Somebody bought you a gift card and it's for a restaurant and you're thinking about, oh, I'm going to go there because the priority, and you're thinking about the thing that you get there that you like because eating is a priority. Some of you watch the, I don't know what channels they are, but where they make all that food on those channels. You know what I'm talking about. Those cooking shows and all that stuff so you can get better at doing the thing that you've made a priority of, eating. When you make prayer a priority, you'll find yourself trying to dig deeper and find out how can I improve on this prayer life? How can I go deeper in my prayer life? How can I, how can I become more about prayer because you make it a priority? Secondly, prayer has a place. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where Everybody say where, where he prayed, where he prayed. Where is one of the key words in that verse for you and I to get this morning. Where is a word that is designating location. There was a where involved for Jesus' prayer life, right? And the, and the thing you got to understand is where is the where for you? Where is the where you pray? If it's a priority, if it's important, then you'll have a where. I mean, you do that in life. You, you got a table and chairs somewhere in your house probably because food's a priority and eating's a priority. you got a place where you can experience your priority. Some of you, every time you eat a meal, you sit down at that table and you eat at that table. There's a place, there's a location in your home where you go to eat a place because it's important. It's the where. It's like, it's like the place of employment or business that you have. Like, you, there's a where, there's a location where you go to. You say, Pastor, I'm working at home. A lot of people are. I, I, I would almost guarantee you that there's a place in your home that you've designated as the place where you do your work. If not, it may look like this. It may be like you open your laptop sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden you get the remote and you flip on something, you're watching that and doing this, you're multitasking, kind of, but not really, right? I find we can do one thing pretty well at once. And then all of a sudden... You see, there's a squirrel outside. You're like, you designate a place where you do the work, where the business part is done because it's a priority. You've, you've designated a, a place. That's why, first year, some of you are saying, I'm going to the gym to work out because if I go to that place, then I know I'm going, if I, to make it a priority, I've got to go to a place that's designated so that I do that. Rhythm in our life becomes connected with a place. I'm, I'll be honest with you, every night, 
Unless I'm out of town, I sleep in my bed. I never sleep on the couch or in a chair or on the floor. Some other place. I'm always in my bed because that's the place where I sleep. And sleep's a priority. Anybody got sleep as a priority? Like when I was young, it wasn't a big of a priority. But now, I'm like David. I was, I was young, and now I'm old, and I'll add this part to it. And sleep is a priority. I got a place where I sleep. Thirdly, prayer has a plan. Prayer's got to have a plan. You may be like a waiter that I was talking to yesterday, and great waiter, did a great job. Kim and I went to this place. We knew we were going to be doing this fast, and we thought, well, well, we'll go to that place. We haven't been there in a while. We won't be there in a while, so we'll go there. And, and we went there, and, and the guy's name was Joe, and he said, he said uh, Joseph for short. He's funny, you know. So he saw something laying on the table. I didn't know, like, what was going on. I had this book with me earlier from where we'd been, and it said Nehemiah on it, and it's laying on the table there because I didn't know where to put it. And, he said, the second time back, he said, hey, I like that. He said, what is that? I said, well, it's a book with insights and commentary on the book of Nehemiah. I've been reading it a little bit. And he said, oh. And then he started telling me about his life and what, what God had done. Dramatic change in his life. He's telling about how he's walking down a new path now. And, and so later on, before we close the whole, um, the whole transaction out, you know, they come back and bring you a bill. It's all just conversation enjoyable up to this point they brought me the bill so and I said hey Joe Sif that's the way I did it I said where you go to church at he said well man I just go to church in my heart I said all right now we now we got a ball game and I didn't go all John the Baptist on him or anything you know you viper or anything like that because God had put me in his seat to talk to him. And, I'm, and so he goes away. We had that little card. And I go around I'm like looking for a card. And I don't have a card. And I try to have cards with me all the time, but I didn't have one. And so I reached in my pocket of the jacket. I only had a pen. It said Elevation Church website. Everything's on there. I thought, okay, good. So he brought the thing back. And I said, hey, I'm going to leave this pen because you know what? You need to be plugged in to a place. Because here's what, here's what happens if we're just kind of following our heart all the time. If we don't have a plan, we'll find ourselves just messing up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and I'd, I'd say this with prayer, that if you don't have the plan, right, definitely pray from your heart. Definitely have, have those spontaneous moments where you start talking to God. But you also need to have a plan in place, that, right, that, that it's a priority, so you're going to have a place and that you have a plan. In fact, in Luke 11, uh, verses 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation, it says once Jesus was in a certain place praying. Oh, there it is. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And then he gives them the Lord's prayer, this model for prayer. Jesus never says, hey, just, just do it exactly the way it's written. You can. I do sometimes. But he's, he's given us this template for how to pray. And, and I think having a plan is so important that Jesus understood they needed, they needed some, something that was structural to use to pray. And, you know, and I, I think sometimes if we're not careful in our prayer life without a plan, we, we're just, we're like a little fledgling. You know what fledgling is? It, it comes from the idea of a bird that's developed feathers. It's a young baby bird, but it's got all of its feathers in, but it's never flown yet. 
And when it gets out there, you know what it looks like? We've all seen, you know, it's all, it's, it's landing over here, don't know when to get up, and it doesn't know, it's just got it all mixed up. It's trying to do it. It has the ability, it can do it, but it just hasn't, it hasn't got the, it closed on me, sorry about that. It just doesn't have the, the, the know-how to put it all together. And just like you get a reading plan to read through the Scripture, I believe you need a prayer plan. That's why we're doing Wednesday nights. It's hitting some plug to get you here Wednesday night, although if it helps you, then good. But we're, we're teaching through the tabernacle and what it looks like, this, this model in the Old Testament to approach God and to come into the presence of God. It's important that you have a plan. And part of this Wednesday night teaching for the next uh, three Wednesday nights is to help us all understand that we can approach this with a plan, with a plan. And then fourthly, Prayer is for presence. Presence. I, we talked about it on Wednesday. By the way, this Wednesday you can jump right in because we'll be digging into the, to the details of praying through the tabernacle. But, but prayer is for presence. I mean, we pray for a lot of reasons. We pray because we ought to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever got down? I've done it before. I get down. I know I need to pray today. This is when I pray. It's where I pray. I'm going to pray today. I pray because we should. Sometimes maybe we pray out of obligation. By the way, I can't make it important to you. I have to make it important to yourself. If it's a priority, it's because you'll make it a priority. I could talk about it the next 51 Sundays in 2024 about how it's important, but you'll have to make it important for your life, right? But, but, but we have all kinds of ways that we approach. Sometimes, sometimes it is that. You know, I'm getting ready to take a test. Anybody ever, when you was in middle school or high school, you didn't study like you should have, and you're getting ready to take that test, and you're like, Jesus, help me on this. I didn't do anything I should have done, and next time I won't do better. But help me, I remember one time I was young, going on a roller coaster. Where I come from, you know, you didn't go to places of the world, and they considered that a place of the world. And I went there with some friends, and I'm on the roller coaster. It was the beast, that's the first one I rode. Anybody rode the beast at Kings Island? I won't tell you, I love to ride that thing, and I'd ride it right now. If it, well, it's too cold, but when it gets warm, you want to go ride it, we'll go ride them. I, I like to spin me upside down and all that. But I'm telling you, I had a conversation with the Lord on that roller coaster ride. <laughs> sometimes we pray for a lot of reasons, right? Sometimes good, maybe sometimes not necessarily appropriate. Ultimately, our aim for prayer should be to be in His presence. In fact, when I say 2024, our rally cry is prayer every day, I really should say it like this it's presence every day. The old timers, where I came from, they would say this, that you need to pray through. Anybody ever heard that language? That's really old language, and we don't use it much anymore in the modern church. But it was the idea of praying through was that you prayed until you got this release point where you were in his presence and the Spirit of God came on you in, in, in waves that, that you sensed that you'd broke through into something different than you'd been before. You were just struggling, trying to do it on your own, and then all of a sudden you just felt energized and, and inspired because of God's presence in your life. And that's the challenge this morning is that every day we pray to the point that we prayed through into his presence. Because I want to tell you, in his presence, things will happen that doesn't happen outside of his presence. The woman that got a hold of the hem of his garment and received healing that she'd been battling with for 12 years, it changed because she was in his presence. There's stuff that you're, that you're striving with and you're trying to do on your own that if you ever get in his presence and you make it a rhythm every day to get in his presence, I'm going to tell you, it'll change the way you approach life. 
You'll be a different person. When you come out of his presence, dripping with the residue of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life, people will notice the difference in you. Right? It won't just be something that, well, I did my 10 minutes in prayer. I'm going to tell you, when you get in his presence, it's, it's, it's the shift that happens when you get in his presence where, where, you know, you ever did that prayer where you're looking at your watch, you look up the clock to see how long you've been there, and it's been like 10 minutes or three minutes. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever done that. I don't know. And you're praying, you're like, well, I remember being a young man, and sometimes I didn't have anything else to think. I'd said every word I knew to say that you could say in prayer. I ran out. I did all the things I knew how to do. I'd said three glory to gods and a couple hallelujahs, and I said amen a couple times before I was finished, trying to know if it's time to exit or not. But something shifts when you get into his presence. No longer are you worried about time. Like sometimes you look up at the clock and you're like, wow, it's been 45 minutes. I didn't realize that. It's been an hour and 20 minutes. How did that happen? E.M. Bounds, the, uh, the great author of the many works of prayer that he wrote, he would pray every morning from 3 to 7. When I read his story, I thought, I want to read every book he's ever written on prayer because this guy knows something that I need to learn. And, and I'm just saying this. And when you get in his presence, and I love it what it says in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14 in the Message Bible. It says, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God the Father, and the intimate fellowship, friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's not about just getting through a prayer time. It's not about just offering some words up. It's not about just crying out in my distress. That can be a part of it but it's about presence. I remember when I was a kid, one of the things that my grandmother and I did, I'd go over to her house sometimes and she'd make peanut butter cookies. And she'd let me do the part, I don't know if you've ever had these kind of cookies, but you take the fork and you kind of press in, and you do like, it's like a tic-tac-toe board. You, you go this way and then you go that way. And when they come out, they kind of got a little, little crunch to them because of the ridges that had been created by that. And, and while I was doing that, and I always looked forward to doing that, while I was doing that, she'd be talking. Her words were always filled with love and, and hope. Maybe, maybe a little sense of, of blessing and, and pride in her number one grandson. And I just eat it up being there as a little kid. And I think sometimes I'd love if I could just be with her again. If you've ever lost a loved one, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, but those questions, you think about something, you think, man, I wish I could ask. I wish I could ask my mom that. I wish I could ask my dad that, but they're not here. Because you're not in your presence, you can't get the answer. I think maybe in heaven. I don't know all about it, how it's all going to happen. I know what the Bible tells me, but then I kind of imagine. Maybe they have some big ovens up there. I can stand there with Grandma. She can make some peanut butter cookies. Holy, sanctified peanut butter cookies, right? Allergy-free and all that. And when they come out, they won't be burnt on the bottom. They'll just be right, you know Because Grandma knows how to do it in heaven. She'd probably do it even better. I don't know how that's going to work. Being in the presence of that person you love will mean so much. 
There is something you experience in the presence of a person that you love that you don't experience outside. Just, just thinking about them or whatever, right? And we can't bring people that we've loved that have passed back the answers that they would give us about things that we question or things that they've said before that we can't remember completely. Like, we could get that in their presence, but we can't because we can't get in their presence. But God says this for us, that in my presence is fullness of joy. Now you can enter into his presence. And how is it that we would serve a God that we read about and know about and learn about, but then never, ever want to go into his presence and be with him? I'm not talking about just the omnipresence of God. He's everywhere all the time, all at once. We know that. Wherever you go, David said, I can't get away from him. I'm talking about the manifest presence of someone in your life. Like that person that you love, they're present somewhere. But when they manifest their presence in your life, maybe you know somebody lives across the country and you only get to see them at Christmas or you only get to see them a certain time. And when you're with them, all oh, the joy that comes talking about this, and I'll, I'll get to, to the margin and how you create it next week, but I'm talking about this. Just the idea of stepping into his presence every day is going to change your world. You're going to see the world differently. You're going to experience the day differently. Your, your marriage, your family, your friends, your relationships, your work, your attitude, your philosophy of life is going to completely change when you have a rhythm of spending time with Him every day. Every day. Thank you for listening to the Elevation Indie Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're notified as soon as the message becomes available each week. And hey, while you're here, go ahead and share this with somebody that needs to hear the message. Thanks, and see you next week.